And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through Friday. On the Athletic Podcast Network. Coming up on today's show, we talk about integrating new stars, the Utah Jazz surprising start, although I'm not all that surprised, and if the league should be protecting teams from their own stupidity. This is Nerdish You Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. This is Nerder She Wrote. You know that because it's Friday. I'm Dave. I got Mo and Seth here, and we have a lot to talk about, so I want to jump right in. Fellas, I- I'm pretty sure we all watched the first Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant game, and uh, I mean, I-, I think we all know that this just isn't going to work. It's not going to work. No way it's going to work. We saw this one game, and they lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers. It is definitely... A failure, and they should just pack it in. Mo, tell me I'm wrong. Oh, you're wrong. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's that simple. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. and you and you're being you, you know sarcastic with your whole thing and stuff. You you you're just being Dave Dufour, the host, right now. Um, it's, it's one game. This is something that takes time. It's a it's never easy to integrate any major piece mid season. Now let's just look at the dynamics of this season. Very few practices, very few, I mean, shoot arounds, the whole backdrop of COVID and the pandemic. It makes this whole thing challenging in that sense. It's a, it's, it's a tough endeavor. And then it's three major pieces that have to literally adjust their game. And I think, and, and really the biggest adjustments are going to be for Kyrie Irving and James Harden. I don't, KD's been in this system where he's been able to kind of work around a bunch of other stars. These guys haven't as much. I mean, you know, yes, Kyrie was with LeBron, you know, uh, Harden always had other guys with him, but it's it's a different element here in this scenario. I mean, I think we saw that in the, in the first game. Uh, Kevin Durant looked, he played exactly the way he always plays. I thought James Harden was too passive, trying too hard to, to make sure he was fitting in and getting Kyrie involved. And, and Kyrie wasn't doing enough of that. And so I, I think, it, you know, the one game takeaway for me, is if I'm on that coaching staff, I'm going through the tape with Kyrie and I'm showing him the opportunities he, he had to set up James Harden and some of the other guys on the team that, you know, he kind of forced, I don't know, Seth, these not really some quality looks that he forced. He did have a, a pretty good game, like shooting the ball, but I, I thought there was some low hanging fruit that, that he could have easily picked up. Yeah. No, the funny thing is, is everything that we were worried about the Nets kind of showed up in this game. You know, they mm-hmm. the 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 three stars were kind of the sum of the parts without really as much synergy as we like to see. Uh, their defense was terrible, uh, and their depth was questionable. And it took them it took double overtime for them to lose. So that's so that's kind of uh, uh, well, what you would say there. Um, I think you're absolutely right about uh, 
I think especially about Kyrie, and yeah, it's his first game back and whatever. But um, you know, the, this is one of the harder integration jobs really ever because this is three ball dominant, high usage scores among the most like the highest volume self created scores basically of the last decade, all trying to play together now. Uh, and I wrote about this at the, the Athletic today. Um, you know, the three of them combined have taken about three quarters of their shots in their career in like a self-created fashion at an effective field goal percentage in the fifty-three percent range. That's really good for, especially for self-created shots. Fifty-three is about like league average overall. Um, on the court of the shots where they like play with their teammates, it's up sixty-one, sixty-two percent. Now the worry is last night they were still combined in that in that 75% range, especially Kyrie Irving. Um, and yeah, you can have a good offense with those guys doing that as the bulk of your of the offense. But to get to be a great offense, you have to take some more from the other bucket. And these guys should be able to play off each other enough to move that. Maybe they're not taking maybe they're down to 60% of their shots combined are, you know, them doing stuff with the ball in their hands instead of instead of teammates set up. And so that's what you really are going to look for over kind of the, the rest of the season. Yeah, and and part of it too, just looking at the the game against Cleveland in particular, like I feel like Kyrie's game more had to do with the fact of he was returning to Cleveland. They did a tribute video. He was pointing to his finger for the ring. It was like, I won't be surprised whenever they play in Houston, if James Harden has a similar game where he's trying to do too much offensively um, and, and and set himself up more than others and things like that. But everything Seth said's right on. Like there's, Look, it's really interesting to see how just the rotations are going to shake out, you know, how often are all three going to be on the court together? You know, Steve Nash had Joe Harris coming off the bench last game. And I think that's an important, you know, that's, that's a piece that's interesting, you know, and how will that work? And he didn't play well, again, one game sample size and, you know, not, not very large, but it's going to be interesting how he pieces that all together. But if I think I saw something where he never had at least one of those guys on the court at all during the game. I mean, and that's what a luxury, you know, you, you, you're always nice. going to have someone who can run an offense and create a shot for themselves. And, and this is the thing that we kind of talked about a little bit last week with, with Ben Falk was the myth of only one basketball. And once you get into the playoffs, the value of shot creation going through the roof, essentially. And so, you know, I, I think that any sort of trepidation anyone has right now after one game about the offense uh, is ill-founded. You're you're basically grasping at straws. They will figure something out. I, I do think Kyrie is underrated as an off-the-ball player, and he just doesn't do it often. But but when he does it, if he'll buy into that, he he's a benefit for them because he can still put it on the floor, even playing off the ball. Um, but the defensive side of the equation, you mentioned Joe Harris coming off the bench. They started Jeff Green in this game. They finished with Jeff Green and, and Joe Harris, but. Uh, they started Jeff Green out there, and I think it's because they're worried about the defense, in particular in the front court, because DeAndre Jordan just isn't the guy that he was 10 years ago. How are they going to make up for the lack of interior defense? I, I just don't I don't see how that's going to be possible, not with the rosters currently constructed. I mean, the lack of interior defense, but also 
you've got you do have some worries about point of attack defense. I mean, Colin Sexton went off last night, and you know who was spent the most time guarding him was Kyrie Irving, and you know that's that's going to be a problem. I kind of think that that especially if he's going to not be dribbling for 12 seconds of every possession. I think Harden can can be a better, certainly on-ball defender than he's been in the past. Um, we don't really have a lot of history of Irving being that. And so that's the worry is that if he's out there, like he's going to be the guy with the target. Yeah. I mean, look, now Mo is shaking his head at the uh, Harden as an on-ball on, defender. On, on. <laughs> not, not on the perimeter. Right. You know, I I'd almost think I almost think they have a more interesting defense setup if they start Joe Harris instead of uh Jeff Green. Jeff Green. Same with me. And 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 put and put Harden on a big. Like in all honesty, I think they have a better chance because he's he does well in that area. I don't think he does a very good job on the perimeter, and especially with the guards that they're gonna face, you know, throughout the entire Eastern Conference. Like that's just a tough, tough situation. I'm with you with Kyrie hasn't exhibited it much, but like I don't buy the Harden's. Uh, uh, I wouldn't stick be him better. Yeah, I wouldn't stick him on any kind of small like water bug type guards, but I, I think he can hold up with some of the bigger wings in the league. I mean, he is stout, um, and he's got he's got surprisingly yeah, he good and quick attention. hands. Well, he's that's not going to embarrass right? himself guarding Jimmy Butler, for example. It, exactly. He's not going to embarrass right. himself guarding Jalen Brown. Like maybe you don't want him on Jason. No, but he's gonna get he's gonna get caught looking. He's gonna get caught looking. I mean, look at the yeah. look at the game against Milwaukee. I mean, the 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 game winning play. You know, Giannis caught right in front of him, right down the lane. Now, gr- granted, you know, Middleton didn't see him or anything like that. And and I'm not trying to re- relive that play, but like that's hard in his defense. Okay, I'm off the ball. I'm just going to sit and stare. Yeah, no, that's and that's that's, that's <laughs> like, off the ball. And so I, I, what I'm saying is, I think that that like on the ball against against kind of the not, you know, the not Stephs of the league. Like mm-hmm. he 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 knows he but knows I, what we say about him, and he's going to he knows the spotlight is on him, and he's not going to. I don't think he's and especially in the playoffs. I don't think he's going to matador that situation. The problem is going to be more off the ball. I agree with you. Um, no, no, but even but my thing even when the ball gets back to him, like whatever the. Swing, swing, and it's his guy, and he's going out there. That's when I think he gets blown by. I don't. I'm. I'm just going to have to disagree. Well, this is so. There, I've got legitimate concerns about their closing defense. Um, closing with Kevin Durant at the five, I, I think, is totally fine against ninety percent of the league. But there's a good chance that the that the Eastern Conference Finals is you're going through Philly. In one direction or the other, either you're going to catch them before you get there, or you're going to meet them in the conference finals, or you're going to run into the Bucks, and and they're able to be big late. And you know, do you want Kevin Durant having to guard Giannis down the stretch? I, I just don't. I don't know that that's great. Um, I, th- clearly, this roster isn't complete, but the tools that they have available to them, and we'll get to this later on. But the tools they have available to improve this roster this year, pretty limited. So I'm not sure um, how they, how they find a way to, to solve these issues this year. It's going to be tricky for them. And I, I, and I do think this sort of gets back to your, to the discussion we had last week about, you know, there only being one ball and shot creation 
you know, more shot creation being good. Yeah, more more shot creation is good, everything else being equal. But the difference between like this and a lot of the other kind of star conglomerations we've seen is this is like shot creation kind of at the expense of other skills. Like you, you think about mm-hmm. it, um, you know, the the, the the first modern big three, obviously you have Kevin Garnett as a, you know, the both the, the Celtics and the Heat had that kind of, you know, elite big defender in different ways with KG and Chris mm-hmm. Bosh, the way he was playing in Miami system. Uh, but even Golden State, you have a guy like Clay Thompson, who's a very good defender, B, someone who can be an extremely effective scorer, you know, perhaps one of the most effective scorers we've ever had without needing the ball really at all. Um, And just a quick stat on that is, you know, since we have tracking data, there have been, um, uh, I think, 12 seasons where uh, uh, individual player seasons of a perimeter player having uh, above average usage and holding the ball, having the ball like 11% or less. 11% is kind of like your third or fourth ball handle on the floor usually. Five of those seasons are Clay Thompson. And and that's the, that's the role that none of these three guys are going to fit into. And so they're kind of fighting each other for the ball and then not giving that stuff on the other end that, that you right. need to see. And yeah, the, 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 the on-ball scoring is great. But the synergy that that like a, a glue piece like Thompson or like Bosch or something like that provides that would right. make them not just we have the three stars, but we have three stars that fit together and make something better. So it's like it's the difference between again their offense being like one of the best in the league and historically elite, and that, well, that matters. This, is this an opportunity for Joe Harris to kind of be the Ray Allen? And Clay Thompson of this team, just a knockdown shooter, defends his position well. Um, and Joe Harris actually has a little bit of craft off the dribble as well. I think that, that again, going back and and he played a ton of minutes in this game. You know, starting don't doesn't really matter. They closed with Joe Harris, but I wonder if they need to find a way to make sure Joe Harris is playing more with that big big trio, just so they always have a, a high a high level release valve out there. You know, TLC was getting a ton of kickouts and, you know, he didn't hit a bunch, but he, he plays pretty well. I just like him better as a bench piece versus, you know, out there playing big time minutes with, with those other three guys. I just trust Joe Harris a little bit more to knock down the shots that are given to him. Well, I mean, Joe Harris is one of the elite jump shooters of the the modern era. So yeah, Yeah, I'm just, just eye test here, Seth. No, but I just think that's kind of a tough, tough thing to put on Joe, just because that's not him, you know, and and that's not going to be this offense, mm-hmm. you know, in that scenario. Like there was, Clay Thompson was able to exist for all the reasons Seth said, and and being the third guy, right, and and he being the third guy let everybody else do their thing because he was so dangerous with so with so few touches. I don't see that working when you're the fourth guy. You know, Mm. like that's where I think it gets more challenging when he's on with those three guys on the court. Now, when he's on with just two of those guys, I can see him being that and and being that kickout guy. It gets harder when you're trying to figure out how you're going to work it in now with, okay, we got to get four of these guys to ball now. You know, it's hard enough with these three on the court and where do they fit? I almost feel like the uh, uh, almost like KD 
is probably a better example of being the clay guy with those three on the court. Now, I don't know if that's how you want to use KD. He's not going to be Chris Bosh, like I best chance. <laughs> No, but no, in terms of just Sarah, but right. in terms of the Clay Thompson type right, of, of I can just get my shots off, mm-hmm. I think that's possible. But I don't know if I would put that on, on, on Joe Harris. Yeah, I think out of all the guys, Kevin Durant looked the most like Kevin Durant in that game where he literally just let stuff come to him and and then he turned it on late and brought him back in that game there is no overtime if Kevin Durant doesn't do what he does in the fourth quarter so um, I I don't think anyone should be worried at all about the offense and and I'm excited to see what that thing looks like once we get to April May and and start looking ahead to the playoffs another team that to me is a good example of how you can integrate star level players I I, you know maybe Mike Conley post star at this point in his career but the Utah Jazz added Mike Conley last year, and and I, if I remember correctly, the three of us loved that addition. We thought it was actually like that's what they should have been looking to do to to round out their their starting lineup and, and to enhance Donovan Mitchell as a as a guard and you know another guy that can work well in the pick and roll with Rudy Gobert could knock down shots. Well, year one did not really work out all that great. You know, he he struggled a little bit to adjust to playing more off the ball and. You know, obviously he had some shooting issues and things like that. But uh, I got to say, year two has been a resounding success, not just for Mike Conley. But if you if you take a look at the standings, I mean, they're right there behind the Lakers and with the Clippers. They've got the sixth best defense. They've got the eighth best offense. Utah looks really good. And I think if you're Brooklyn, you can look at what they did to accommodate Mike Conley. And to to get him to change his role a little bit, and maybe you can take some lessons there, Mo. Well, it's not so much. Well, I, I think part of it is just it takes time, mm-hmm. right? Like when you look at the situation with which Mike Connolly was coming from, where in Memphis he was the system, right? Like he created everything. This was his. After Mark Gasol left, it was on him, and he had to kind of deal with everything. Now he's going to Utah, where it's like. Okay, I have Donovan Mitchell, I have Joe Ingles, I have uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, I have uh, uh, Bohan. Sorry, Bogdanovich. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You have several pieces of guys that can all have the ball in their hands, create. I don't have to handle everything. I don't have to make everything happen for everybody on the floor, you know. And I think that was an adjustment period there, and and. I, I had thought this was going to be a really good team to, to start out. I don't know. I think early on people had them as dark horse uh, contenders. I, w- I thought that might have been a bit much, but this is the team I think everybody was expecting. I mean, when you look at the numbers this year, I mean, he's averaging 6.3 assists. Like he has a better command of the offense, better flow, just a better understanding of not just the offense, but what everybody's role is within the offense. And Rudy Gobert is benefiting from it. A, a tremendous amount and Donovan Mitchell obviously young players should be getting better every year but I, I think Donovan Mitchell has been absolutely fantastic this year I mean he's shooting like 38 percent super high volume from three um, and I think Mike Conley's hot start has, has kind of helped him quite a bit Seth taking all that pressure off and learning how to play off the ball he's actually been playing more on the ball this year Conley in Utah than he did last year. I think that that, that mix has really helped them find a balance in that, in that offense. I, yeah, no, I think that's, that, that's a good observation. Um, 
he, I, I was going to say, if we, we were talking about Conley's change role, he's actually kind of morphed a little bit back into the 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 shared role he had with Gasol, even though Mitchell and Gasol obviously play completely different styles. But, you know, he was never, you know, in, in or he was rarely kind of the super ball dominant point guard type because they had a they had a big who they could run so much stuff through. Um, and, you know, obviously, again, Mitchell is, is a guy who is who by volume is one of the the, the, the top shot creators in, in the league and has been for mo- most of his career. And I think those two just getting comfortable, like you said, together uh, has helped both of them. Um, another big thing for Utah is that their non-starters minutes, like when, when they're not playing with their five starters, things aren't falling apart. They brought back Derek Favors and, you know, he's able to actually anchor the defense a little bit. Um, they've got some great health and, and I don't know. This is a team that I, I think as long as they can stay healthy, which of course this year in particular is a tough ask, uh, they're looking they're looking pretty serious. Well, you know, the, the thing too is just, again, everybody is more comfortable with their roles. Joe Ingles moving to the bench last year was something that he wasn't very comfortable with, you know, and I think he looks more comfortable in that scenario. And we kind of forget too, this team was a – Mike Connolly in and out three from moving on to the second round and playing the Clippers. It wasn't like this is a team that completely fell apart and didn't make the playoffs. Like they were right in the mix. I mean, they granted they blew a three, one lead, but they were right in the mix there to the very end to the final possession. Like this is a good team that they have there. It was just a matter of like, okay, I just need the right amount of measurements the right amount of butter the right amount of sage or whatever to to make this whole thing sage. work and, and cook and i think that's kind of their team yes it's sage why yeah. you can't you don't use sage in your i'm more country? of a coriander guy Ooh, oh coriander right. gets you thrown out of the house here okay. my, my, my <laughs> father hates coriander <laughs> so i can't even buy the spice it, is it um, safe to say guys that that donovan mitchell that we saw in the bubble like this that's who he is this is what we're seeing now i think um you know it's not as as explosive as he was, but granted the stakes were so much higher and, and in the shooting in the bubble was insane, but I mean, he's having a really great year. I, you know, I just, a small note of caution of that is you do look and, and so many of their guys are having just, you know, fantastic shooting years, especially kind of in their, in their kind of catch and shoot and off ball shots that, on, on some level, yeah, that's the offense humming on the other side. Like guys can get hot, teams can get hot, and and you you know you're never as great as as you look when every shot is going in. So you do you don't want to just assume that they're at this that everyone on their team is at this elite shot making level for the whole season. It's it, this is a weird thing that happens again is is when something is so good that you just sort of assume eh, that's not going to continue. Where if it was just a little bit good. It would, you'd be like, yeah, no, that, that they're really improved this year. So I am, I just like looking. You look up and down the roster: Royce O'Neal, Jordan Clarkson. All these guys are just banging shots left and right. And you get into the playoffs, and and you you know, is is Royce O'Neal a forty whatever percent three point shooter in the playoffs? Probably not. But you know, the thing too, though, is like we didn't even talk about Clarkson, who I think's having kind of the renaissance of his career, though. I think he's going to kind of, this is who he is. I think he has a chance to six man of the year. I think he can make a, a run at it. Like I'm, I'm kind of in on this team. Um, I, when I say in, I mean, second round and then lose to the Clippers or Lakers, whoever they play. Um, 
kind of deal. But I think that's, I just like their whole, the whole thing they got going and, and they have the spark plug off the bench with Clarkson, which is something I probably wasn't expecting to come even when he got traded there. So I, I just, I just, I don't know, guys. I just buy, I'm, I'm, I'm buying their stock here a little bit. I'm buying too, man. I, I, I think the defense, you know, it starts with the defense for them and, and their defense has been pretty spectacular. Um, it's a lot of drop coverage. So it's, of course, it's almost when like they get Rudy to the playoffs, good. yeah, Rudy Gobert is really good, but you know, the drop coverage, we, we've seen it get destroyed in the playoffs and, you know, you're letting teams walk into threes and they're going to most likely have to run into a team like the Clippers or the Lakers or something like that that's going to be able to take advantage of that. So I would like to see them come up with a with a changeup, you know, some off speed stuff uh, defensively. But I, I'm with you, Mo. I, I th- we should we should note <laughs> we should note they play New Orleans tonight and they're on a six game losing streak. But if they get smashed tonight and by the time this podcast comes out, oh, none and of by this the counts. way, and, and so the Jazz are also like on a six game winning streak. So this is, right. of course, a perfect letdown game. The only only way it would for sure have been a letdown game is if Seth had been the one in our pre-show saying we got to talk about the Jazz. <laughs> you ruined the Hornets, Seth. Yeah, but call it, you know, I, I we talked about Colin Sexton, or I, I talked about, uh, you know, That's true. a couple weeks ago, and there he is. So it's maybe it's, an, there it's is. a cycle. I put guys, teams on a cycle. Um, I really, right. uh, if, we're, if we're talking about the Jazz, like the worry more isn't, I don't think it's the drop coverage. I think it's their their size and athleticism on the wing. Like who mm-hmm. guards, pick, pick right. LA player. That's a concern. Like pick either, pick player on either LA team. And that's, they just, you know, they don't have that, and they haven't addressed that. I mean, you're, you know, over you don't think Boyan can guard LeBron? No, uh, no. like he he got a lot of notoriety. They didn't for even Le- want to entertain the joke. Yeah, <laughs> well, no, he he like LeBron missed some shots in a playoff series like four mm-hmm. years ago, and it's like, oh, he's a LeBron. He, no, yeah, they could really use like a Jay Crowder uh, type, but. They're just, they don't grow on trees anymore, and uh, everybody knows how valuable those guys are. Now, now your ideas don't have to wait. Now they have everything they need to come to life. Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, loves expanding your business, evolving your passions. We push what technology can do, so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at Dell.com. Welcome to now. Today's episode is brought to you by Giorgio Armani Aqua Di Gio Parfum, a long-lasting and deeply intense men's fragrance that captures the powerful sensations of nature. The woody aquatic scent features notes of bergamot, clary sage, and patchouli, which create an intensity that is vibrant and aromatic. Discover more at GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com. Um, okay, so another thing that was on my mind this week, there are so many trades that we've watched recently where teams are giving up all of their draft capital that they're able to. You know, uh, We watched the Brooklyn Nets trade away every pick or at least the rights to every pick or control over every pick from now until, what did we say, 2028, I think is, is how long that goes? 27, I thought. Now, I... Whatever. Now, I personally think that the league should eliminate rules that are designed to protect teams from their own stupidity or uh, whatever, right? Like, if the Brooklyn Nets 
want to push all their chips into the table, they should be able to do so. They should not be hamstrung by the league in an effort to, I don't know, keep them from doing dumb stuff. But I also feel the same way about contracts. This is why I'm I'm anti-max salary. I think if you know you can have a salary cap with no max, you can you can say, hey LeBron, I'd like to play pay you a hundred million dollars a season, and that's gonna leave me nine million dollars to fill out the rest of the roster, but I think you're worth it. And you know, LeBron's case, he might be. Um, you should be able to hand out 20 year contracts if you want. I don't understand how a league, this is a competitive sport. This is a competitive business. And it's allegedly got all the smartest guys in sports. Just ask them. They'll tell you. So why do we have these rules, like the Stepien rule, protecting teams from being dumb? Seth, I know you disagree with me on this. So I'm going to give you the floor. I don't, I believe in competition, Seth. Listen, you know what? The Cavaliers have short guards. Should they be able to wear, I don't know, stilts or something to even the playing field? No. I mean, I don't even know how to discuss something with someone. You can't play basketball so something, that, something that's like, I mean, should they play in jump shoes? You know, you should guys they, remember those? Should they have shorter rims? Maybe the Cleveland Cavaliers get to play offense on a nine and a half foot rim instead of a 10 foot rim. This is, this is what are we you, doing this, here? This, this, what yeah, are we what, doing here? What, Seth? what are you doing here, Dave? Um, yeah, Dave. Like, <laughs> I don't, 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 don't you dare edit this out. This is what we deal with every week. It's not. It's not um, coming out. No. So you you said something that's that oh, that's sort of half correct. There, you you mm-hmm. said this is a competitive business. It's not a competitive mm-hmm. business. It's a competitive league. It's a cooperative right. business. That's and that's where we like you, you know you. I don't think it's I don't think it's understood quite the degree to which okay on the business on the on the basketball side all of these teams are competing on the business side uh there's there's a great deal of cooperation and sharing of of best practices and all this uh there's a there's a, a working group called Timbo and I don't remember what what the acronym sounds uh, stands for uh TMBO it's but it, it basically all the business office gets together and figure out how to make money basically the point mm-hmm. being that that from a business standpoint, you can have ruinous competition. We've seen this a lot with kind of startup leagues where they don't have these guardrails in place and you know, one team has deep deeper pocketed owners and they spend all this money and and suddenly only two teams can can compete and there's no interest in eight of you know, eighty percent of franchises and the league folds. Great, you won. You in a, in a competitive business, that's great. Competitive industry, that's great. All your competitors go out of business. You're the only one left. In a sports league, the Lakers still need the Hornets because who else are they going to play? Yes. So the rules that are in place to I thought you were going to say who else is going to develop their stars. Well, yeah. I mean that. The, the, sure. I mean that you you have to. If as the league is moving, there are going to, you know, even if as some people seem to want, there, there, there's going to be a move towards, you know, continuous feeder teams and continuous contending teams, you still need those feeder teams to be uh, interesting enough for people to go see the games unless all of a sudden like ownership of the big market teams is going to completely subsidize these, these, other, these other teams to make it worth their while. So – there are other sports without these kinds of rules, though, and they seem to be doing okay. I mean, now baseball, granted, has huge disparities because they don't have a salary cap. And I'm not saying get rid of the salary cap. I'm saying just open it up. 
you get 109 million and you have to figure it out. And, and is it here, better you've for got the these draft picks. to have LeBron and 14 guys making the minimums or LeBron to be on a really good team because LeBron can only make 35 million? Well, again, that's that, but isn't that up to the teams to decide? Well, if it's if you make it up to the individual teams to decide again, you get into that that what is best for an individual team and specifically what is best for an individual set of executives and coaches, which is often which is the other part of this is the, the downside of this is you get into situations where a guy trying to save his job can screw a franchise. I don't see when we've ever seen that happen before. Um, you know not not in you know not not in the other half of, of New York, uh, certainly. Um, this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City, with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. You, I, I mean, look, look. Here's the thing. Even with all these rules, Dave, teams are still doing stupid stuff. Yeah. Right. And still making stupid moves. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's in, in, and thinking incredibly short term without long term. I'm just telling you right now, it gets much worse. And as Seth was saying, like the value of the league would drop dramatically, I think, if you do that. I mean, listen, Robert Sarver would sell every pick. If he could, or trade every pick he possibly could, you know, if you got rid of the become the Sarver step. I think there's all, yeah, and 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 I think that's, I mean, that's basically what he did during the Nash era. And there, when you look at the list of what those picks end up becoming, those guys, you know, you just like, oh my gosh, those guys all would have been. Yeah, all those guys would have been perfect for the Suns, right? You're looking at it, going like, man, that, you know, it's 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 yes. Sometimes you have to protect teams from themselves from making incredibly stupid things and sometimes because they're making the decisions on extremely short-sighted stuff it's like Seth said an executive trying to save his his job for another year sometimes it's an owner thinking i just need to get butts in the seats i mean look at sterling sterling didn't feel the competitive team for like 20 something years because he found a loophole of i can make money while losing so why would i invest in this team there's so many different things that dive into these these mm-hmm. decisions and all of that's bad for the league. So you got to find ways to be able to, to build the whole thing out to make it work for all 30 teams, I have, you know, and, and it might be an advantage for one or two teams, but not for the, the whole, I league. have well, to then, ask well, Dave, let ahead. me add, like, also there's, there's, there's some, some framing going on here where you're asking the question. So we have to defend the position. I want you to defend, defend your apparent position that like, 
there there are insufficient returns now to skillful basketball management. That that doesn't seem like that's a tenable position to take, given that oh, no, no, which no. teams I, I think smart like the, teams the, do better, right? Like it's pretty yeah, smart, obvious. No, they don't just the smart teams don't just do better. Smart like you you can you can more or less with you know the, the the occasional exception of a team where LeBron was born in Akron, like right. that. Like aside from that, like if you look at the standings over time, you you get you know. With a few exceptions, which are basically that and the Lakers, who have built-in advantages, you get you get basically a, a perfect ordering of the teams that are smart. Mm-hmm. So I agree. At so, what's the problem? If we're well, already, I, I'm if not we're trying already to solve if a we're problem. Already, if we're already oh, okay, so you're inventing a problem. No, I'm not inventing a problem. It just seems to me like it's anti-competition. To to be you know not allow teams to use whatever's at their disposal. But this is this is not you're at, protecting at root, teams it's not from about, themselves. It's not about competition. It's about no, and I understand that's. what you're saying. Like I actually didn't even think when we were talking about this, didn't consider how bad for business it is for these teams to be able to do that. But the truth is, then then I guess would you would you say that they should make the Stepien rule tougher? Because as it is right now, as soon as the draft happens, you can make you can trade that that next year's pick. Um, you know, because uh, teams Adam not Silver, drafting is a bad yeah. thing. Ultimately, no, correct. A- Adam Silver, like Triple H, does what's best for business, and I, I think that that yeah, Adam Sel- the- Adam Silver is going to book himself into the finals this year. Is that is that what you're telling me? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, but he'll he'll let someone else go over, so it's fine. There you go. There you go. Um, this is re- wrestling. Do the job. That people do the job. Do the job. That's right. No, so I think that that you know the, the the what got us on this is that that you know we kind of tend to rail against the transactionalism of the league and the coverage of the league. Mm-hmm. However, some of that is good, and restricting rules about future draft picks and future draft picks are kind of the lubricant of a lot of these trades. Restricting that more would maybe lock everything up a little too much, and you know it. it it is. It would be a little boring. It's like oh, my team is on the floor, like every, right. every year. That that would be. So there's a balance we have to come up with here, and I think, like at least from that point, I think the balance is in a pretty decent spot. Well, and the draft sells hope, right? Like it sells hope to a fan base. Uh, the you know having the number one pick. Like if your if your team is out of it, and we've all watched this with bad teams, you know where where they start rooting. Okay. We're going to get that number one pick. We're going to get that number one pick. All right. Maybe they don't get the number one pick, but they get the third pick and you get to draft LaMelo Ball. And now Charlotte is the, the best watch in the league. They've got a lot of hope, right? right? Like, so I look, I think ultimately picks like teams should try to keep their picks overall. Um, I just don't know that the league necessarily should intervene uh, and stop them from getting rid of it. I, I think that if you're going to be dumb, you should be free to be dumb. But I do understand your point about the business side. Uh, by the way, listeners, please let me know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter and, and let me know if you think that that yell Seth at Dave. and Mo yell are right. Dave. Don't don't or, come at don't come at Seth and me. Yell at Dave. Or no, should I think adults I, be allowed to uh, you know make decisions and have to face the consequences of those decisions? I think Dave's position will I'll be more you, popular among the listeners, but. Mo and I have experienced it, so we're right. Wait, 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 but the the one thing I'll say though, Dave, I do want to see if they're going to make a change. Get rid of pick protections. Ooh. If you're going to trade the pick, 
trade the pick. None of this protect. I'm tired of protections. I'm tired of picks carrying over. The fake from, pick, the top 55 uh, protected second round pick that isn't it, a real pick. The whole whole deal. Mm-hmm. Trade the pick. Don't trade the pick. It's it's it's. I think for the protections sometimes get a little bit uh, wild. I mean, I was with the Clippers when we had the Minnesota Timberwolves pick from a Marco Yarich trade. I went to San Antonio and came back. We still had the pick because <laughs> it, it never conveyed and it had so many protections. It actually was part of the trade. It got us Chris Paul, but it was like, yo, we had this pick for four years, you know, and, and, and I just think sometimes the protections are a bit, a bit silly. That'd be my one. As long as we Caveat never change, change uh, draft rights and free agency rights, because I, I think the Toronto Raptors should get first dibs at Nando DiColo until the heat death of the universe. That's that's the one thing I truly believe about NBA free agency. Uh, all right, Seth, what, what are you looking forward to this week? But I think you ruined the still, Hornets. No, I I did that two weeks ago. So. No, oh, I, yeah, I think okay. I, I I think that uh, that I we're all kind of watching the Nets right now. I think that's that's still mm-hmm. that's going to be fascinating. Again, I I I, I kind of did a an in prospect in one game review uh, today, and and uh, kind of want to see how it plays out. And you know, I think the hope would be that playing against non Cavs return game might. Incur, might, might bring Kyrie more into the into a more cooperative uh, role, and so that's I think that's what what everyone's going to be looking for. Mo, what was one Mo thing this week? Uh, I went into defense and the importance of being early in your rotations on the weak side. Just the whole thing of it discouraging drives, discouraging passes, all the way to if you're in early, you can get out quicker and. That kind of stuff. So that was the uh, one Mo thing. Uh, any it? heads up on what you're looking at for the next week? No clue right now, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting you you talk about like being early. Uh, one of the assistant coaches that was w- with the Bucks while I was there used to really get on the bigs who were defending, like who were going to be defending a screen and then picking up the ball handler. Is you race the guy up and you race him back. So you want to be at the level of the screen when the when the screen is set and then you're you know, you're busting your ass to get back to the rim to keep the, the guard from getting there. And I thought that was a, that was a, that was a good kind of mnemonic for, for how you have to play that position. Obviously you're talking about a sure. different defensive situation, but I think being early is better but similar than being fast. Yeah, no, similar, similar ideas. Just being in the right position early allows you to, 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 to move. In that sense, a lot of times when you're late, you're you're running this way, and then you're running that way. You just look like a chicken with his head cut. Well, off. it's hard to make decisions if you're late because you're constantly Plain behind making those decisions, trying to play catch up. Uh, for me, everybody knows that I, you know, I do our Dallas Mavericks podcast with Tim Cato, seventy-seven minutes in heaven. Uh, I am, I mean, I'm digging into the to the Mavs right now to a different degree because they're about to get healthy. They've got a lot of people that have been out. For health and safety protocols, Porzingis is back and looking pretty good. Um, I think the Dallas Mavericks are, are about to go on a tear when they when they get everyone back in the lineup and actually have a chance to build some chemistry. That's a really good team that can actually defend. They are really defending very well this year. Uh, so everyone definitely go take a look at the Mavericks and what they're doing on the defensive end. It, it's worth checking out. That's going to do it for this week, folks. 
We will be back next week with another episode. Make sure you're checking out Seth's stuff over at The Athletic. Remember, you can follow him on the app so you get alerts for the analytical look around. Don't forget to check out Mo's stuff. He's doing power rankings over at Bleacher Report. That's a must read every week. And one more thing, my favorite new thing. For Seth, for Mo, I'm Dave. Talk to you next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.